Some good old acapella music right there. That is good stuff. Good to be together this morning, and we're going to continue our Bible study uh, series that we've entitled Soul to Soul. And uh, we're really looking at relationships in Scripture, and uh, the, the, really the heart behind this series is, is let's look at the Bible and let's see some of the relationships that existed uh, during the, the, the times of Scripture, and, and let us glean from those relationships. What can we learn so that we can actually implement what we learn into our own lives? And so hopefully you can take notes or think of things that really resonate with you, but actually try to put them into practice, uh, or else, you know, church becomes an, a spectator sport, which is really not what this is all about. So my heart is, Tom's heart, all of us, is that you will internalize what you can see from Scripture and make it real. Let's make this, make this real in our lives. And today we're going to focus on uh, another a relationship between uh, two brothers uh, who forged a really powerful relationship. And uh, it really became a, a deep, deep friendship that really helped change the world in, a, in very practical ways, very real ways. And uh, so let's, let's hunker down. Let's continue to pray. This is a house of prayer. Amen. So let's pray for God to use this time this morning. Father, we, we sang a song just really about, about soul to soul. And Father, we want those types of relationships in this congregation. Uh, Father, we, we look to you for guidance, for wisdom, discernment, for inspiration to, to have those types of relationships. We don't want to settle for the superficial, Father. We want to go deeper with one another. And Father, I do pray that we can all strive to, to fight this cultural wave of accepting the busyness in our lives and to the extent that we fail to develop strong relationships and we blame it on other things. Uh, Father, I pray that we just fight against that and, and not just give up and quit and just think, oh, in our day and age, it's impossible to really connect with people. My job is demanding. I've got a family in the home, and it's just too hard. Father, help us not to fall for those lies. Father, we can do it with your guidance, with the examples you've given us in Scripture, with the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. Father, I believe we can do it. Uh, but Father, help us to grow. Help us to get practical as we read Scripture. Help us to, to really focus in on these two particular uh, people that have gone before us um, and help us to learn but we can so that moving forward, we can have great soul-to-soul -soul relationships. And we pray for this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So who are we focusing on today? Today, we're focusing on Paul and Timothy. And uh, it says here, you know, committed to Jesus and his mission as servants. Committed to one another as family. And I, I love the relationship that we, we see between Paul and Timothy. And uh, some of these themes that we'll talk about today, hopefully you will see, you will, they will be familiar because we've talked about some of them before. And, and that is what we all need when we're trying to develop something. We need to hear it a, a few times in a row. Amen? I know I do. Uh, I need to hear certain things over and over again. And, and I think we'll see some of the dynamics of their friendship that we've seen in David and Jonathan a little bit. Elijah and Elisha, Mary and Elizabeth. I think you'll see some of these uh, come together again with Paul and Timothy. So we're going to pick it up here in Acts chapter 16. And the setting of Acts chapter 16 is this is really kind of Paul's kind of second missionary journey. 
And uh, so he's come through, and we'll pick it up in Acts chapter 16. Paul came to Derby, then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey. So he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. So what's going on here? Again, Paul's traveling. He's traveling with a purpose. He's not just on vacation. Paul's traveling to spread the message of who Jesus is. Okay, and so the, he's, he, here he finds himself uh, in, in, in Derby, goes to Lystra. He meets, this, he meets Timothy. He possibly met him the first time he went. We don't know for sure. It's possible they met on Paul's first time around in, uh, in this town, but we don't know for sure. But there we meet Timothy. His mother was Jewish, but his father was a Greek. And his father probably really wasn't down with Jewish customs. Obviously, Timothy was not circumcised like Jewish boys were on the eighth day. Uh, And so that's kind of his spiritual heritage. And later on, we even find out that his mother and his grandmother were very spiritual. You find out in other parts of the Bible. So here's Timothy. Here's a guy who's trying to live it out. His mom's a, a person of faith. His dad, we don't even know if he's still alive. We don't know his influence on his life. And we know that people have spoken well of him in other places. Okay, so Ly- Lystra, you know, uh, Iconium, those are a, a few miles away. You know, Iconium might be about 50 miles away. So that's pretty good. No car, no Marta, you know what I'm saying? To have your name known about 50 miles away. Okay, you're You're trying to do something for God when people in other towns know about who you are, know of your character. So that's the kind of guy Timothy was. And so here's Paul. Paul comes along, sees him, hears about his reputation. He's like, let me take this guy with me. This guy, hey, let's do this. Which is interesting when you think about what we talked about a couple weeks ago. If you remember, Paul had a great friendship with his buddy Barnabas. They were buds. And they wanted to keep going to the churches to strengthen them. But Paul and Barnabas had a disagreement. They couldn't figure out who to take with them on the journey. And that was the source of their discouragement and disagreement. They wanted it. They, they argued over Mark. Who Paul didn't think he was the right guy for the trip. Barnabas felt he was. They kind of disagreed over it. They decided, you know what, you do your own thing. So here's Paul. This is right after that. This is soon after that. So here's Paul. He sees this guy, Timothy, who's showing a lot of spiritual promise. And I think maybe for Paul, it's like, wow, this is the kind of guy I want to take with me as I go and spread the message. But what's going on here? There's a lot going on here because uh, what do you think? Do you think it's Paul's just being kind of selfish here? Is Paul trying to develop this friendship because he's got a void in his life? You know, is he building a relationship with Timothy for personal fulfillment or to help fulfill God's plan to save the world? You know, it's a a fair question, right? And what about Timothy? What about Timothy? Does, Does Timothy see Paul and go, wow, my dad wasn't a spiritual guy. Paul's spiritual. I need a man in my life that's walking with God. You know, Paul could be a great friend, a great mentor to me, and just help me in my life. Just help me be a better person. Because I've lacked that older man in my life to help me develop into a man myself. You know, maybe Timothy, hey, maybe he, maybe that's what he was thinking. But what we do wonder is, what in the world, man? Timothy, what, a, what an incredible invitation. Hey, Timothy, I know we don't know each other that well, but I want you to travel with me. 
Where are we going? I don't totally know 100% all the time, but I want you to come with me. Oh, and by the way, we got a little procedure I think you need to undergo. <laughs> you know what I mean? Whoa. <laughs> I mean, if you're a grown, it's one thing to be eight days old and get a circum, you know, get circumcised. Yeah, you, you don't remember it, right? You're a grown man. You're going to remember that right there. Okay. That was uh, not a painless procedure right there. And, uh, and so, so Timothy, what in the world? Like, why would he endure the pain of that, the inconvenience of that, the unknown of all of that? Timothy's doing good. He's well spoken of. He got his mama. He got his grandmama there. He's, he's doing great. Why, why leave all that? So, so I think these are great, great questions to ask when you read stuff like this. Just don't gloss over it. Paul... Paul's taking on a guy he barely knows, and Timothy's leaving a lot. But why would, why would they do this? Why would they enter into a friendship like this? And I think that's a question for all of us to ask even ourselves. What is it? Well, I think there's something about serving Jesus together with somebody that's special. I really believe it's special. And I believe these, both of these guys realized, and I, I think both of them realized, I'm just not here for myself. There's something bigger at work here. What God is up to in the world is bigger than what's happening in my own life. And I think these guys were drawn to what God was doing. And because they were both drawn to what God was doing, they drew closer to one another. And I, I think the lesson that we can even learn is, you know, our soul-to-soul relationships should have an impact on the souls around us. Some of us just want to have great relationships just to have great relationships. Honestly, check yourself on that. I honestly hear more of that than I want to hear. And I, I, I can see it a lot of times that we can, we can come to church and we can start to think that I want deep friendships. I want depth. But it kind of stops there. You want depth because you've got a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and this other person has a four-year-old and a two-year-old. Let's get deep. Let's do life together. And it kind of stops there. You know, so they meet a need for me. I can meet a need for them. There's reciprocity. This is great. We go to the same church. Our kids can learn the same things. This is great. But it kind of stops there. And I see that happening in the church, and I don't think that's good. Our soul-to-soul relationships, you know what? They need to have meaning. They need to go deep. But it should be deep because we're serving the Lord together. And we want others to know who God is, too. And we want them to know that the depth that we have is not just because both our kids are four and two, but it's because we share something bigger than our own lives. So stop settling just for deep friendships, just to have them. Get deep with people and give glory to God as you get deeper and then tell other people why you're deep. Not because of your life stages that sync up, or that you're geographically close to one another, or you went to similar schools or similar backgrounds, that shouldn't be what does it for us. We got to go deeper, guys. So don't just settle for the soul-to-soul relationship. Help those relationships have impact on other souls around you. You know, and so what, are the, what do Paul and Timothy do? They, they get out of town. They head out. And they're traveling. They travel from town to town. And look what they, deli- look what they did. They delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. 
I decided I wanted to focus on this a little bit because I think it's kind of perfect for our, our timing as a congregation, right? We are, we are trying to appoint three uh, men among us to be elders for our congregation. That's that, if you're visiting with us, that's something that we, we take very seriously. An, an elder is a role in the church. And it's, uh, it's really a man who the congregation, the, that they really trust and believe in that particular person's spiritual qualities uh, that, that, that are exemplary in many ways. They're not perfect, no, but they have certain qualities that all of us as a congregation believe and trust and believe they're godly men. And so the scriptures lay that out, and we've actually put three, three men before this congregation that we believe will, will be great elders here, but we are waiting to hear, and this is great. We're praying, and it's awesome. But why even have elders? Look at the role that the elders had, even in scripture. You know, the elders had to pray. They had to think about how, the church, how to lead the church, and they had to come to some decisions, right? And so, and so Paul and Timothy are going around to the church and saying, hey, the elders have prayed, they've collaborated with people, they've, figured, they've really gone, and this is what they've decided, and this is what we're going to do as a congregation. And so, so Paul and Timothy did that, and the churches got stronger. You know, and I just want to encourage all of us to see the godly pattern in that. <laughs> we, should be, we should trust God enough to trust that he can put the right people in oversight of the church, right? And so I think there's a, there's a spiritual way to follow and a spiritual way to lead. And if you, wanna, if you want people to spiritually lead right, we need to spiritually follow well as well. You know what I'm saying? And I appreciate this example. The people received the message, oh, this is what the elders believe is right? Amen. We're going to obey it, right? That's not manipulation. That's not control. That's trusting in God knowing how to set up his church. And you can either decide to be cynical or you can decide to be faithful, right? And we can look at Scripture and follow how it works or we can make up our own and I think suffer some bad consequences. I'm grateful for Paul and Timothy going around to the churches. This is what the elders believe. This is what we're going to do. And the churches go, amen. We're going to trust it. God is with them. God is with us. Look what happened. Churches grew. They were strengthened and it was a great thing. So what does it look like? We, we can hear about they travel from town to town. And what does that look like? I just figured sometimes some people are visual. I don't know. That's a lot of traveling. I mean, that's a lot of traveling. This is where the challenge with Barnabas and all that, you know, and then they're going Derby, right? Lystra. All these. This is where Timothy, where they met. And so they're traveling all. I mean, that is a lot of traveling. Right? No cars. Wearing the Birkenstocks, you know what I'm saying? And just <laughs> cranking, hopping on boats and ferries or whatever and making it around. Um, and a lot of these, you know, Philippi, we have Book of Philippians and Thessalonica and Corinth is right here. Corinth had a, a lot of challenges in the church. And we're going to read a scripture that Paul wrote a few years after he uh, went to Corinth. Because the, and we're going to focus there. And the background is the church in Corinth had some challenges. And one of the big challenges they had, they were a pretty worldly city, kind of like an L.A. kind of vibe. When you think of L.A. or Vegas, okay, you got your own thoughts, right? So Corinth, Corinth had a little bit of that going on, right? A lot of bit of that. And they were getting caught up in kind of celebrity worship, so to speak, you know. Oh, man, leaders, man, I, I want the leaders that can speak good, got good money, drive a nice car, got a private jet. Those are the kind of leaders I like. And that's, Corinth was getting, getting kind of pulled into this concept of what a real leader looked like, what was a really successful leader. And also, they were just prideful. There was a, there was a certain arrogance about the church there. Uh, we, we know how to walk with God. We got this figured out. 
<clears throat> and, uh, and just a lot of arrogance. And so Paul was just like, dude, that's not the way I started the church. You know, when I came there, I shared about Jesus and who he was. Yeah, I left and did some other things. But man, I'm getting reports. You guys are, tr- wow, you're arguing about one leader being better than the other leader. And well, I follow Paul. I follow Peter. I follow Jesus. Oh, you- wow. And so Paul's hearing these reports about the church. A lot of arrogance, a lot of pride. And, and, and Paul writes him. He's like, guys, you're off base, man. I'm telling you, you are off. The, the, the sign of a real follower of Jesus isn't that they're super and amazing and, and are wealthy and rich. Honestly, and Paul's like, man, I feel like we're kind of the scum of the earth. Sometimes I feel like we're the ones left behind. We're, we're hungry. We're scrounging for food. We're looking for places to stay. We're getting persecuted in every town we go to. We're just preaching the word. People think we're not genuine when we're preaching about the most genuine person to ever live. That's the, st- that's the lifestyle we're living. I don't know what y'all are doing. And so Paul writes him a letter, and he mentions Timothy in it. And I want, to, I want to look at how this works out in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And so he's writing all these kind of very, you know, straightforward things to the church there. He says, I'm writing this not to shame you, but, but to warn you as my dear children. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. And for this reason, I've sent to you Timothy, my son whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. So what can we learn here? about the relationship between Paul and Timothy. Well, first of all, I think it's helpful to see the relationship Paul had with the church in Corinth. Paul started that church. He's like, you know what? You can have a lot of great traveling preachers that come through, and that's great. You can have a lot of great people that give some good instruction, and that's great. But let me tell you something. I was there. I helped. I started that church. He's not taking credit like he's, I'm the man. He's like, it's through God, but I'm the, I'm the vessel that God used to start the church in Corinth. I'm your father in the gospel. And I think that's a great concept for us to even think about spiritually. What does it mean to be a father in the gospel? I think many of us are, should aspire, all of us should aspire to be a spiritual parent. Okay? And, and I want, we're going to talk about that in a minute. What does it mean to be a spiritual parent? Well, we recently read a book, uh, it's called Disciple Shift, and it's got a lot of great stuff. We went to a conference, talked a lot about it, and they had one concept that's, that has resonated with, with many of us, and it's talk about the stages of, of really what it means to be a, a follower of Jesus. And uh, think about that when he talked about being a spiritual parent. And, and when we think about discipleship, I don't know if you can read it all, but at, at some point, you know, you're just like, you don't know nothing. You know, you're just trying to figure life out. Maybe you're seeking God. At some point, you respond to the message of the cross. You find out who Jesus is. You want to respond to him dying for your sins, that you're a sinner. You're responsible. You are grateful for what Jesus has done. You need to respond, yes, in faith and repentance and baptism. It's amazing. So you've been given that new birth, born from above, born again. And so as a spiritual infant... You're just trying to, you're learning, man. You're just, you're just taking it in. You're a spiritual infant. Like, man, I, whew, I'm glad to be here. I don't know a lot. I can't tell you what Hebrews, what the message is in Hebrews. I can't find Amos with, 
GPS, man. I don't know where that is in the Bible, but man, I'm grateful and I love Jesus, right? You're just a spiritual infant. You're just grateful. You're, you're, you're learning. Everything's new. You're learning new habits. You're trying not to cuss when you go out on dates. That was my biggest problem. And so you're, you're in different spaces, right? But then you kind of move on to maybe you're, you're in the child phase, right? And, and, it's, and that's where you're really, you're self-centered. I mean, come on, you know, children, me, mine, mine, right? That's how children are. You need to share. No, no, this is mine. And, and just a lot of self-centeredness. And so you have to figure that out. You got to grow in your love for God. You got to get connected to a small group so you can learn how to play well with others, right? Okay. But I think there's truth in that. We, we, we got we to gotta figure that out. You're trying to learn all these spiritual truths. Now, I used to do it that way. I can't just. So there's a child phase where it's kind of like you're trying to grow, but it, you're kind of self-centered, but you're growing, you know, you're trying to get that heart. Hopefully we can keep moving, though, to that young adult phase, what they call it. You know, when you're, when you're becoming more Christ-centered, Holy Spirit-dependent, God-focused, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're, you're, actually, you're actually showing, like, love and patience, and you can, you can even tell, like, I need to be patient here. I, and this passage really helps me to... And, and, and you're starting to live like that, like a very practical... You're living out your faith, right? And then that's that young adult phase where it's good, you're growing, you know, you're, you're really showing more character of a Christian more consistently than not. That, that's good. But look at this, this next, it's a parent phase where you're, at, you're like, I'm intentionally trying to reproduce myself. Not because I'm awesome and I'm great, but because God has so changed my life, so filled me. The Holy Spirit is so powerful and, and, and just has taken my life. And I've made so many changes. I want this person to, to learn from what I've learned. I just want them to be like Jesus. I want them to experience what I've experienced. And I want to intentionally help reproduce other disciples of Jesus. And I want to release people. And I, I'm not just trying to teach somebody to be a disciple. Okay? I want to make you into a disciple so you can live a great life. No. I'm trying to teach you how to be a disciple maker. There's a difference. I want to teach you how to be a disciple maker because that's what Jesus was and that's what he called us to do. See, some of us are just so happy. I'm a disciple. I am following Jesus and I am doing what God calls me to do. And as if that's kind of it and, and you've arrived. No, you're supposed to be a disciple maker. You're supposed to help other people do the same. You need to, you have, you'd have to have a mindset of, I want to be a spiritual parent. I want to give spiritual birth to, to those and train people and help them. And so I appreciate what Paul's like, hey, you can have a lot of people come around and teach you. No, but look, I'm your parent. I have invested intentionally in you. So that you can have certain mind. And, and then he says, therefore, I urge you to imitate me. And if you're a parent, who hasn't said that? Isn't that what you do? Hey, in our house, this is how we do it. Well, they over at their, I don't know. I don't care what they do over at their, their house. <laughs> this is why we do what we do. This is why we do it. If you're living in our home. This is what we expect. We love you. We raise you. This is how we raise you. We want you to reproduce this life outside of this house. Who as a parent doesn't say that? So I think we have got to learn how to be spiritual parents. We have to aspire to be that. 
There are many of us in this room who are of age to be spiritual parents, right? But we're stuck in the child phase. You're double-digit years as a Christian, but it's still so much about you. <laughs> so you, It's like you, you can't have 10-minute conversation without all your, your needs. And it, it always comes back to what somebody's not doing for you. And, and the church is not... Bro, you double-digit age as a Christian, man. You got, come on, man. You, come on. Come on. At some point, at some point, we got to get real up in here, okay? You've, you've received a lot of messages, okay? A lot of midweeks, a lot of prayers for you. It's time for you to intentionally help somebody else. Because Jesus didn't get all the stuff he wanted either. And if he waited for everybody to meet his needs in the church, he'd still be sitting around waiting to, you know, it not be good. Let's, do, let's go. Let's intentionally help other people. It's not about you. Let's move forward. Let's, let's make disciples who in turn make disciples. That's the mission of Jesus. I'm not making that stuff up, right? That's where we kind of, we got we to gotta get there, okay? And not, not only do some of us need to really be great spiritual parents, some of us, do you realize we've had almost 100 people baptized this year? Right? Okay? I mean, I'm not just trying to, I'm just, I'm giving you the concept of, there are many people who are just trying to figure it out. <laughs> They're just trying to learn new spiritual, whoa, wow, this is more than I thought, or, you know, whatever. And, and, but guess what? If you're in that place, you need to be a good kind of spiritual kind of child and receive some spiritual parenting. You need to be able to receive someone saying to you, it's not about me. I just want you to imitate the Jesus in me. I, ur I urge you to imitate me. How, do you notice that? What if somebody that you know said that to you in the, in the congregation? Just pick somebody. Hey, bro, I, I urge you to imitate me in this. What would you, what would you think? Because some of us, I know. I know. Oh, great, bro. Like, you're all that. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah. But what about the four other things that you don't do? Can't, we can go there. But notice, I urge you to imitate me. I think we've got to learn. We've got to have enough soul-to-soul -soul connection with people, enough relational currency with people to where we can say those things to one another. That, that, and some of you need to be saying that more to those that are younger than you in the faith. And those, that are, those of us that might be younger, we need to learn how to receive those. I urge you to imitate me and not take it all weird. Like someone's trying to control your life. Is, is Paul trying to control their life by saying, I urge you to imitate me? Is that some type of leader manipulation going on? No. That's what we all should be trying to do. Didn't Jesus say, go and make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them. Right? Didn't he say that? Then we say, teach them everything, right? Teach them to obey everything. Teach them to obey Teach them to obey. We got to learn how to say that to one another. Bro, I love you. You're the man. You do 18 things better than me. Man, in this area, you're just not obeying. This is what the scripture says. Come on, brother. Let's pray, to, let's pray at night tonight. Every night at 11 after the kids go down, well, let's just pray on the phone. I want to help you in this area. That's the kind of stuff we need to have going on. That's soul to soul. And I appreciate the relationship that Paul and Timothy had. I got to come in for a landing. 
or else Sherwin is going to start twitching real bad. Real bad. We're going to skip Philippians, too, because we're going to fin- It's the same. It's good stuff. You, you can read it. Okay, there you go. Write it down. Philippians 2, 19 through 24. The big concept is in verse 21, he wants to send Timothy because everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus. But you know what? G- Timothy has genuine concern for people. And I appreciate it. See, Paul and Timothy, they, had, they forged a great friendship. And look at Timothy being sent out. Paul feeling like, I don't even need to be there. I could just send Timothy. Can you say that about anybody in your life? Man, I want to be able to say that. You know what? I can't make it to Jackson next week. Hey, Sydney, I'm going to send Wally. I'll just send Wally. He can handle it. He just, he's me. I poured everything I got into him. He, he can go to Jackson. I, I, I got to get better at that. But we all, we all should aspire for that, right? Oh, man, I love that stuff. I, I hope that we can grow to have that type of impact on the world. Um, some final thoughts. Paul and Timothy, what about those guys? Well, I think they were deeply committed and devoted to the mission of Jesus, first and foremost. Subsequently, they became deeply committed and devoted to one another. Doesn't that sound familiar? I think that's David and Jonathan all over again. I think they had their own relationship with God, their own zeal and passion for God before they even met up with each other. Timothy had a name for himself out in Iconium, Lystra, all these places. Paul's out there doing his thing. They were devoted to the mission of Jesus individually. They come together. Wow. And then it became, we're not just co-workers. We're not just trying to crank the ministry. We're not just trying to get numbers for Jesus. We're not doing that. We're family. I'm sending Timothy. He's my son. I love him. That love happens when you sit across from somebody who doesn't know the Lord. And you're not so focused on how your needs aren't being met all the time. And you're trying to help somebody else. And you're sitting there with another brother. And if you're sitting there with another sister, you're pouring into this person. You're teaching them who Jesus is. You're laying it out for them. You're letting them know everything you can about Jesus. And that person's life begins to change. Guess what happens with you and that brother? You, you bond. That's powerful. Stop worrying about all the other stuff, man. Let's get involved in this kind of stuff here. You don't have deep friendships, it's probably because you're not focused on other people and helping them either. Look at your schedule the last month. How intentional has it been to help others? Their unmarried status was not a hindrance to anyone. I think we can all grow in that. Paul didn't have a wife. Some of us, if we were, if I moved away and, re- and Tom retired and we had a new pastor search committee, whatever, right? Some single guy walked in, but not disqualified already. He's single. That's how we can be. We got to be careful, guys. <laughs> as far as we know, Timothy wasn't married either. But no one's up there crying about those guys didn't have wives. We can't respect them. Their walk isn't really exemplary. Why do we look down? Why do we, why do we give the message to unmarried people in the church? You have to see... You have to have a spouse, then you have to have kids that suck all your time, then you can really be effective for the church. (laughs) Right? I mean, I'm grateful for my family, but let's be honest, man. I mean, I got a lot going on in my house. They're unmarried people. We We need to unleash them into the world. Man, why can't we get more single people baptized? Well, probably because our mindset is so family oriented and all that, and we don't honor and value those that are unmarried 
We need to, we need to lift up those that are, are not married. They are, a we, they are a weapon of mass destruction against the devil. They really are. And it's not just because, oh, they got a lot of time, they can babysit. No, that's not it. That's not it. These guys were unmarried, changing the world. Who's unmarried in your, in your neighborhood? Who's unmarried that you work with? They could probably get together three times next week if you just opened your mouth. Somebody opened their mouth with me when I was 25. And now here I stand. My spiritual birthday was two days ago, 21 years in the Lord. I'm grateful for that, right? I've had so many grateful people. I mean, I've been grateful for so many people that have been like spiritual parents to me over the years, right? Pour it into me. Let's do that for others. It's, it's inspirational when we have this mindset. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I'm, I'm just inspired by Paul and Timothy. And really, it's, it's really your heart that we see, I think, when we, when we look at Paul and Timothy. Father, I, I think that you, you looked at the world and you knew that you needed to send your heart to this world. And I really feel like Paul felt he needed to send Timothy. And Father, we're grateful that you sent Jesus. You had no one like him who showed such genuine concern for the lost world. And we're grateful for Jesus. And we want to take these lessons from Paul and Timothy's life and we want to we remember Jesus who really inspired Paul and Timothy to, to travel the world. They lifted up the name of Jesus in all those towns that they went to. They inconvenienced themselves. They, they endured suffering and, and all types of discouragement at times to, to preach the message of your son Jesus. And, and I pray that we can, at this time, take a moment, be grateful for who Jesus is, to take this, this special moment during the week where we can come together and take the Lord's Supper together. I pray that we can really think, think of Jesus and remember him, remember his blood that was shed for us when we drink of the cup and remember his body that hung on that cross as we partake of the bread. We're so grateful for him and we're grateful for the relationships that we can have with one another because of who he is and we pray in his name, amen.